Greetings Grapple fans, welcome once again to another edition of Let Me Tell You Something as myself, Lorcan Mullen, and my partner in crime co-host, Simon Cross, watch all the matches that we can get our hands on that Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer has rated 5 stars or higher. Simon, when we last did our debrief and gave our revised top 10 lists, this was number one on the list, and it had been number one on the list the previous one as well. So we're getting a rematch for what at the moment is maybe the best ma- wrestling match of all time that we've seen, at least within the context of this list. What are we watching today? Uh, we're watching Mitsuharu Misara going up one-on-one with Toshiaki Kawada, um, a match which I alluded to in our last episode has a lot of pressure on it going in for that very reason. Mm. And... I guess we should say right off the bat, for me, it does not reach that standard. And it doesn't come that close to it either. Yeah, well, yeah, I think it's not as magic. No. Um, It didn't have quite as much X Factor as the much lauded one. It's almost Uh, exactly three years to the day that that match had happened. Um, uh, 3rd of June 1994 was the previous match and this is the 6th of June 1997 so it's been 3 years 3 days and within that you can see where the culture of all Japan Kings Road style wrestling has gone Mm, it's not necessarily a positive development no it's not it almost feels like they've taken They've removed some of that connective tissue that made these matches feel like cohesive holes. Yeah. And have almost become not a greatest hits package, but definitely a more, I guess, within the realm of these matches, high spots. Because there's nothing, there's no one jumping off the top rope or anything. But far more dangerously than that, there are head drops. And we've been seeing them sneaking up since really around the, the Kabashi-thon that we saw. Yeah. Where he was suddenly taking very dangerous-looking backdrops against um, Steve Williams and the like. But this, it feels like you can't go much further because I made a tally. And d- debatable around what each one of you defines it, but as I defined it, I think I had it at the end at 11 head drops yeah. during the course of the match. Now, obviously, a thirty-ish minute match. Yeah, so that means now, a head drop on average every three minutes. You sent me that tally because you saw this before I saw this. Mm. Over the eager beaver that you are, it was just an idea because I hadn't, I hadn't made like an actual list. I just got yeah. the mental notes, kind of like you know when a uh, Brock Lesnar's doing Suplex City, and in fact, we might yes. circle back to that comparison. But continue. I um, so I had a oh, I'll look out for them going in. Um, I didn't get quite get to 11, but I would say at least 8 that I remember. It seems and like some of, them, Kawada, I, yeah, some of Kawada's bumps were a little bit more shoulder or... or, or yeah. th- but they weren't even trying to do the full rotation, which sometimes I think looks even more impressive and is more 
um, safe, really, because yeah. you take a, fo- a front-facing bump. Yeah, and then like, you've got more surface areas, so it is just, like, pressure's applied. Because it just doesn't seem like the people executing the moves have changed their execution. It's just the people taking them are, are deliberately trying to rotate further. Yeah, so there's it makes one the that... move look a little bit more unnatural as well. There's one that especially sticks in my mind, and it's a German suplex Kawada gives Masawa, and Masawa lands exactly vertical. Mm. I, 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 my stomach just felt a bit weird, like watching it. Yeah, especially because you know what happened. To, it was a bump along those lines that led to Masawa's death in the ring. Yeah. Uh, ten years ago, and, and so that 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 creates a sub. Like if if Masawa was retired now and and having a you know do, pro wrestling Noah was still doing decent business and he was, you know he was maybe doing occasional appearances at WrestleCons at WrestleManias and mm. signing autographs and everything. Maybe we would be we would be less inclined to shudder at those moments, but. Simple fact of the matter is, you saw those and you thought one day someone's going to have a terrible accident and die. Yeah, and you—I guess you often thought it was going to be someone with maybe less in-ring ability than Misawa. You know, mm. that it would be some one in the undercard trying to impress, or someone on an indie show. And I'm sure that's happened occasionally. Yeah, um, and we have—it's—it's it's not just obviously the the, the physical injury. Although that's very much a real concern, and it's one that we're living through now, watching Kota Ibushi wrestle. Mm, and Tetsuya uh, Naito, yeah. Yeah, but also you've got to think about the, the mental impact, and I know we've talked about him a lot when we talk about like um, moves affecting the head, but you have to look at what Chris Benoit's mind did mm. in the last 48 hours of his life and where that came from, and it came from landing on your head and like just taking so much trauma to the head you're not so the head's not supposed to take that much trauma and concussions obviously were the key factor i think in all of that and um you know but where do concussions come from landing on your head yes but also a career of doing diving headbutts and and the like Mm. so and chair shots as well which is not part of the culture really within all japan at this point yes um so but that's it's, not really a comfort with no, what happened to Masara, is it? It's, it, it's it still a bad just, idea. But it is just that sense of they're, they're not doing the... It's weirdly they're not doing the heavy lifting in between. They're just trying to get to what they perceive as the good stuff. And you'd think the people that kind of perfected this craft would be more disciplined. Yeah. And yet they seem to have gone with their worst instincts that then, you know... Because you always say... Oh well, they know how to do it. They know when and where to do it, and they're still getting reactions, and they're still doing all the stuff. But you know, when when then you criticise the indie people trying to just copy them for the big moves and what have you. Yeah, it, it seems like they're following their own path. Maybe not to that degree, but still, it, it feels like a match almost made. You know, when you now you get, I always describe it as matches that seem to be made for music videos. And, yeah, and, I see what you mean there. Yes, and this may be led to that, because um, yeah. it is just heavy duty bombs throughout pretty much the whole match. There is no slow build up really. Mm. Um, they're trading blows almost from the first minutes, 
and you don't feel swept up in it like I, not as much even the crowd didn't seem as as molten no. as i remember them be i remember them like going crazy for the bell in the 94 match and in this one maybe they feel like well we know what's going to happen so we'll wait for that to happen to react you know yeah i may i don't know maybe they've seen so much because it's three more years of seeing them go against each other in various slight like, scenarios yeah and other than Janakiyama, no one has been built up to be an equal to them yeah it's just been the four pillars steve williams johnny ace is a supporting player i think gary albright at this time might have arrived <clears throat> from uwfi so he was giving at least a different kind of gaijin figure but that was really all they're relying on Janakiyama as well yeah, it, and because even though I love and have rated so so many of their matches so highly, you do start to get a bit oversaturated. Mm. I mean, I'm not. I mean, I'm not these... watching over the three year period that this has happened in in a linear sense. Well, yeah, we're time. missing all of the other triple crown matches. We're missing several other singles matches that they must have had at Champions Carnivals and the like. And there might be layers to this story that we're not getting. Yeah. But on the flip side, we're watching so much less than the fans have watched in this three years period in terms of like physical content. Yes, we're watching more and of yet, the high spots so in the, the condensed period. Mm. But And yet we're already obviously being, it, it's becoming less. Although to be fair, we're also watching it in an intensity of like what, a match like every other day or something like that. Whereas yeah. we're getting them, you know, Masara and Kawada did have other singles matches, but there would have only been like three or four maximum between those two. Mm. So you know, it's still special, I guess, within all Japan for them to have the singles match, but it's not. It's it's both but... it's both ends, both both sides yeah. of it have made a different experience. So we're seeing more of the five-star matches more frequently, and we're not getting the stories in between, but they're also getting lots and lots more matches between these than we're, si- than we're seeing. But to draw a parallel with um, WCW, one of the reasons WCW lost its spark is it had, like, an upper tier, and it didn't let anyone else into that upper tier. It didn't freshen up, the like, the, ro- like the roster at the top level. Other than Goldberg, who, I guess, like the other example with All Japan, Jun Akiyama, was pushed almost immediately uh akiyama had a bit more of an apprenticeship but it was still a case of treated as something special not someone that has wins and losses on the undercard and gradually builds themselves up to be a big deal yeah but then when we see some sneak peeks of some of the others like with the six man with tamon honda you're just kind of like this guy well this is the problem because we we rave about obviously um misawa Kabashi and I, I love Kawada and I've grown to love Tawei even I didn't rate him as highly at first but he's mm. really grown on me over the series of matches mm. and what are you supposed to do it's like yes they're incredible but you've got to let the other guys you've got maybe you've got to bring them down slightly to get the other guys to go up I don't know I don't yeah it's, well, it's... Giant Babble was always a lot more conservative like the all Japan young lions, I know the the system's not as explicit really as it is in New Japan. And whilst New Japan will always have like a young lions class of four to eight guys <laughs> doing all that stuff, it's not all of them being on the car, but they're you know four to eight of them doing all the ringside stuff and everything. With all Japan, it's very 
there were there were ones being built up. I think it might be in this match that you see a very very young Naomichi Marafuji, who is base who's basically been the 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 Hiroshi Tanahashi of pro wrestling Noah for the past decade or so. Yeah, um, and was involved in the G1 climax a couple of years ago, and had a, a as an invitee from Noah and, and traded uh, wins with uh, Okada in the G1, and then a subsequent IWGP title match. I think you see him at the end carrying, I think Kawada out, um, helping to lead Kawada out or something. But uh, yeah, it was just like they they didn't they didn't bring it. They also did, they had, they had essentially an isolationist policy. Um, of just they had their guys and their gaijins and they didn't do inter-promotional stuff with like New Japan did with WAR and UWFI and Michinoku Pro and and all those other things Um, which is why their junior heavyweight division like we say imagine if they'd have had an open policy during that 90s period and Soyoshi Kikuchi and, and Masanobu Fushi had been allowed to tangle with the likes of all these you know your, your Koji Kanemoto's and your Jushin Thunder Ligers and Chris Benoit's and uh, I'm sure you don't think so, but Great Sasuke's and, and <laughs> the like. Uh, now I'm one for one with Great Sasuke. <laughs> so I mean, I love the shit out of Fushi. Maybe Fushi Sasuke would have been brilliant. Wait, well, how are you one for one with Sasuke's? You one for one with El Samurai. Al Samurai. I guess that's... all these masked Japanese wrestlers look the same to you, do they, Simon? Well, under a mask, somewhat. Yes, it's only so. A, a, a mask only does so much. Um, also, another thing I noticed in this match was the pop-up uh, no sell. There are oh, a couple yeah. of times in this. It's kind of it's one of those things that's cool. But I remember reading. Um, but they do it after like that's that's one of the many head drops that I think we both agree on at one point where it is a German suplex and he does land on his head and he Masawa pops straight back up and hits a forearm and then then what was the point on landing on your head then if yeah. that's not going to mean anything yeah. why do like, it everyone will forget it almost instantaneously yeah and it makes a head drop a subsequent head drop look like it's maybe not going to be as damaging it's something that like you know even WWE does to this day I remember Kevin Owens doing like a pop up. Off of a uh, 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 Sami Zayn head and arm suplex, um, and you, I always feel like you've got to make the excuse of he rolled through it. He yeah. was able to not, you know, it's like the equivalent of all those ways people are like they're, they're rolling through each other's big power moves in like the tag team matches. You know when yeah. when Tawei goes for the Don Don and they're able to cradle their 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 hips to they're able to shift their hips so that they they carry it over yes that's what i've got to see it as like they've been able to do the full rotation and roll through and not absorb the impact mm. you know? or the adrenaline or, or the fact they got hit just kicked some adrenaline in or something you know yeah. uh, well it was always it was always that weird psychology of why is it when someone hits a drop kick they hit hurt their opponent but if the opponent dodges it why does it hurt the guy who's done the drop kick you do this yeah when you land the same, same. bump but they had Brian Pillman explain it in a magazine. I can't remember if it was WCW magazine or if it was Pro Wrestling Illustrated, saying that the you're doing the the force from the kick allows you to bounce off of the opponent and roll through on the on the thing, ah. landing. Whereas if you are flailing and hit nothing, then all that energy that you've used is not taken and absorbed by someone else. You can't yeah. control your landing, and therefore that's what hurts you. 
That makes sense. That's actually a very William, good way of. Uh... You want some William Regal explanation of how something works, but but how do you explain the, the the only explanation you can have for this is that it's the rush of adrenaline because it's they get hit with the big move, they pop up immediately, hit their own big move, and then they sell the impact yeah. move. Yeah, I, I guess think... the idea being that you know you're in trouble is kind of like when you're hit with a finisher and you're rolling towards the ropes or you're trying to get out. You know. Yeah. But that's that's a different kind of energy that you're required to use up. You know, it's like it's whether you're you're accepting cool visuals over logic. And there are plenty of things in wrestling that you're you're ignoring logic with. Any Irish whip, you're ignoring logic. Yes. You know, any top rope move on a prone opponent that's been lying in the same position for more than three seconds, which suggests logically you're a sadist because you could have literally pinned them. Yeah. You know that that's throwing out logic so are we going to accept the pop-up as acceptable within the logic of this wrestling well uh, because the difference is i mean that there's there's been an alternate amount of damage done if you follow wrestling theory when you land on your head wrestling theory before you do wrestling practical you've got to (laughs) theory um but in fairness, I guess that's what the Young Lions apprenticeship is, isn't it? Yeah. Technically. Um, so, yeah, if you land on your head after, like, a German suplex, you shouldn't... You, you should be damaged enough to the point where you can't get straight back up. You know what I mean? Like, there, there shouldn't logically be a reason for you to pop up, unless like, yeah. very rarely you get the rush of adrenaline. But, but I've never seen a UFC fighter take a big punch to the face... Yeah. Immediately jump up and hit back and then fall to the ground. Yeah. Outside of Rocky 2, this has never happened. And Rocky 2 was not a documentary. It wasn't? <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Kayfabe, sorry, Lorcan. Oh, Kayfabe. <laughs> My bad. Um, yeah. We're shitting on this. It's still like these two guys doing amazing stuff. They're doing all, they're doing everything perfectly, basically. Even though we are criticized, I guess I was criticizing the way that they were doing throws and rotations. Yeah, but like I say, they're not going to the top rope really, outside of like a tope here and there, and they are still involving the audience and they are pushing the the the, the physical, well, not even the physical limitations of wrestling, but they are pushing the medium forward in a way that no one did before. Yeah, and maybe no one's done since. It'll be it'll be fun to watch the new Japan stuff. And see if they've exceeded this King's Road style or if it actually feels like a step down. If it feels like this match feels like a step down from the previous match. That they've kind of t- not taken all the lessons of the pre- of what they were doing that made the last one work so well. Yeah. Well, you can't do it... The more times you roll the dice, the more times you're going to land like fives and fours rather than sixes. Uh, you know, like, you can't be... Yeah, but this isn't about luck. This is about arts. And this, yes. You, you, you control your own destiny. Yes. Well, largely. There's obviously unmitigated things. To an extent, <laughs> yeah. But you know what I mean? That random freakish events happen. The knee could give yeah, way. Yeah, you also get what like, I'm saying. You can yeah. structure a wrestling match. And they've yeah. done that. And they did it perfectly before. And they did it not so perfectly this time. Well, why couldn't you do it before? It wasn't a roll of the dice. You knew what you were doing. Yeah, but there's only so much they could control. Like, I, dis- I don't know. I disagree with that. 
I disagree with that. You're doing that wrestling match. You made it work once. You can make it work again. Mm. You know, you can. But it's not like you have full 100% control over what happens. You have almost full 100% control. If you're a great wrestler, which these two are, you should yeah. then be the oh, ring no, yeah. general. And the ring yeah. general basically has control over all the proceedings. I'm not saying it's you like a You have freak occurrences, but then, but, yeah. then, but then you can put yourself in a situation where you don't fall prey to those. You don't try and do a springboard if you can't mm. do a springboard. You don't try and run if you can't walk. Yeah. And I, and, I, and these guys aren't doing that, but I don't know, maybe they just missed, like... But you get where I'm coming from? This, like, this culture, this is, like, the start of the big move culture. Yes. That we have to this day. And mm. and even the the worst culprits of it are the people that don't do the apprenticeships, like Masara and Kawada would have both had to do, where you're not allowed to do crazy big moves. You know, you look at it to this yeah. day in the New Japan Young Lions system. It's obvious that they can do more than they're doing in the ring, but they're saying you do throws, you do headlocks, you work that headlock, you do your mat wrestling, and then you win with a Boston Crab. Yeah. And that's all you get to do at this point. And it seems like nowadays the majority of people don't want to do that. And, well, that's, where, and that's where you get botchamania from. Yeah. I think people think you just, possibly because of what this matches like this started, people think that this is the quickest do, and maybe easiest way yeah, if you do over. big big moves and then they kick out of those big moves that means you've had a better match than the matches where they did the big moves and they didn't kick out of them yeah and, and that's the thing like they're one-upping themselves here because they're making the bumps more dangerous yeah like i can't look well there may be two or three head drops in the in the 94 match one yes. of them being the finish where he does the sort of 91 version of the tiger driver where he basically dumps him on his head and shoulders mm. as opposed to the flat back bump which is what the tiger driver usually is yeah um whereas whereas in this well that's like, the funny thing they kind of do i think they screwed up the finish i think the referee should have counted and he didn't what for the um because he hits him with the suit because the, the way they do it as well is that they and this is something that we'll also see uh in a in a future match i believe is they don't have him finish him with the big move. It's just the case of he, he beats him to exhaustion. And yeah. it's just a running elbow that looks like it finishes Kawada. But the ref doesn't count. I think the ref himself maybe thought, mm. this can't be the finish. Yes, they hit the, he hits the two in the row. Mm. Um, and he gets a very narrow kick out. I don't know I if don't think I, don't, I didn't see Kawada kicking out. I didn't see him do it. reminded me of that one, the Rock and Kurt Angle at No Way Out 2001. Mm. Where he hit the rock bottom and the ref said he kicked out. But it's obvious that he didn't. And he just forgot what the finish was. I think he... Again, because it was that culture then at that point was coming in of like, one finisher doesn't do it anymore. Yeah. And even two in a row at some point. Because it was two big elbows in a row. After after Misawa couldn't hit a big elbow because Kawada had already collapsed from exhaustion. Mm. So logically, so then, it could have so been then the all finish. that Masawa does is a bridging German suplex, and well, it seems like in these matches the German suplexes you like to do are head drops. So why are you doing yeah. the bridging one, which should be less dangerous, but it wins you the match? And this is it now because there's so many head drops in this match, and because of obviously the worst impact they should, they logically do have uh, as moves, both kayfabe and non kayfabe. Mm. Um, 
yeah, it just it does feel a little bit like oh okay. Yeah, it's like, kind of like it's kind of like the Rocky Four of wrestling. They haven't bothered doing some of the hard work. They're relying on the past and they're doing just the greatest hits. Mm. Like Rocky's twenty Rocky Four is like twenty percent montage, and I'm not even lying. The film's about eighty eight minutes, and there are at least three montages in it. Jeez. And this is like that. They're doing like the montage moments. Yeah. So it's yes. still, and Rocky Four is still an entertaining film. It just doesn't have the emo, the um, the the nourishments mm. that the first Rocky had. It's not as a complete piece. It gives you that basically. rush, but it doesn't give you the the satisfaction. Yeah. So obviously, I'm not giving it five stars. I feel like we're being really harsh to it, but I think it's because the previous one between these two men might be the greatest match I've ever seen. Yeah, and it, we we, I, we did foreshadow that we'd have this problem mm. before we saw the match itself. Um, that's not to say it was... That's, oh, it's not to say we were going to put it on a hiding to nothing, but on, you, you do have this in the back of your head of what we had last time. I can't give it five stars um, purely because it made me feel too uncomfortable at points. Mm. With the head drops, yeah, uh, and if you like, if you feel uncomfortable, if you're being pulled out of the immersion with how uncomfortable you're feeling, do you think because again it's like how with the chair shots in the past we didn't know the full extent of the damage? Yeah, if we'd have watched this in '97, would we have said it was a better match than we do now because we don't associate it with the the um you know the unfortunate passing of Masawa? Yes, uh, knowledge can be a burden. Um, Tell me and, about it. <laughs> and in terms of the enjoyment of the match, yes, it's a burden in this case. But we, it's a good thing we know what we know now because medicines move forward, and hopefully, we this happens less to people. Like, well, I think I think doctors always knew about it; they just weren't being listened to. Mm-hmm. Did Bret Hart retired from a concussion a couple of years after this. So, yeah, you know. Anyway, anyway, we'll 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 talk about this uh, a bit more because we still have a few more all Japan matches to go uh, before the the massive uh, exodus from the flood that then created Noah. Um, the the <laughs> the wrestlers went into by two hurrah. <laughs> Uh, but people... oh, you know when it's telegraphed and you still know they're going to do it. <laughs> if they want to get in touch with you, Simon. How can they do so? Uh, they can get in touch with me on Twitter, where I'm so known as Simon Cross Free. Uh, free for no, I was going to say free for the number of head drops that would have been acceptable, but that's probably still too many. Did you uh, count the brainbuster as a head drop? Yeah, yeah. He didn't... I wasn't sure about that because the brainbuster is like always more commonly associated with it and it's a bit more natural weirdly i don't know yeah although technically it was one uh so my on twitter where you can find me on twitter where i'm so known as simon cross free uh free for the number of times i actually felt a bit of a proper tinge in the pit of my stomach after watching one of these head drops yeah my name's Lorcan mullen that's l-o-r-c-a-n-m-u-l-l-a for adam's apple n for neck that's my Twitter handle, my Instagram account, my Letterboxd account, my Facebook account, if you put an at gmail.com at the end of it. That's my email address. If you want to email the show, that's lmtyspod at gmail.com. That's the initials for Let Me Tell You Something with a pod at the end. Um, our next match 
is another trip. You Again, you wait ages for one WWE match, just like with 94. And we get another one. So only three matches after Bret Hart and Steve Austin were tearing the house down and helping to create the Attitude Era. It's another key step in that progression for the largest pro wrestling company in the world about to embark upon the hottest period of its existence culturally arguably outside of wrestlemania 3 what are we watching next simon uh, we are watching the first ever hell in a cell match between sean michaels and the undertaker the at bad blood 1997 one and only five star match involving these two men against each other on this list now that's a controversy to maybe be discussed another day. Yes, uh, and also the only Undertaker match on this list, and the second and last Shawn Michaels match on this list. Again, m- topics that uh, are open for much debate, I'd say. Mm, but until we reach that point, there's nothing left to say now except my name's Lorca Mullen. My name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a five-star time. Until the next time.